0: Jack LeBron. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the race tracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars.
1: Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're joined in a four-way conversation with Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, having both Stefan Bartholomeus from Supercars.com and he's McAlpine from Auto Action. Ethan, I will ask you at this stage, editor in, in the office, or uh, what is your title nowadays? Um,
2: I'm, a, I'm the deputy editor.
1: Very glad you're there and know that you've been doing a terrific job, and uh, as somebody who's been uh, reading Auto Action since the start, and yes, I will have been reading it for 50 years next year, along with maybe a few hundred or thousand people. It must be getting uh, quite exciting to be uh, in a
2: publication that's coming up for 50 years. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We've got some stuff sort of um, planned for the, uh, you know, for the, I think it's the 24th of February, uh, the first auto action came out in 1971. So um, we've already been in contact with some editors of the past. Um, There are some lurking around. I think I work with three or four in the office uh, anyway. So... um, Yeah, we've got some really good stuff planned, some good chats, some good covers that we're gonna uh, recall, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's it's building and it should be a really good event. Well, I was there on that very first weekend of Auto
1: Action, the 24th of February, 1971. I was my first weekend of professional motor racing in Australia when I was delusional enough to think I was gonna become a race car mechanic. But anyway, enough of that. Stefan, uh, your first meeting coming up soon for the year, is it, since the Grand Prix?
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm one of the ones headed down, uh, based on the Gold Coast, headed down to Bathurst. have to do a bit of uh, staying away from Queensland for two weeks afterwards, but uh, when it's a big dance in Mount Panorama, you've got to do what you've got to do to be there. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to getting back amongst it. It's been quite unusual for me. I've sort of done every every supercars event for the last, oh, I don't know, like eight or nine years prior to this year. So uh, even when, uh, when racing's come back from late June onwards, it's just been a TV show to me. So it'll be uh, good to see the cars going around again and see people
0: face-to-face. I'm interested by that, Stefan, because uh, you could go from Bathurst almost directly to Adelaide, which is where you're from, but you can't get home to... Queensland directly, that is a bit of a, uh, a weird situation.
3: Yeah, I think um, some of the discussions around border restrictions are probably for programs other than, uh, other than this. We, we get to talk motorsport rather than politics, but it's certainly uh, a bit of a bemusing situation.
1: And uh, tell me, Stefan, uh, uh, following the racing as you have this year from a distance, I've got to say that uh, from a team's point of view, that this would have to be... One of the toughest championships to have won. Yeah, I think
3: definitely um, for for the teams, like um, I think everyone feels for those guys, especially uh, the Melbourne based crews um, with with families, uh, loved ones at home that they haven't seen for a couple of months. That's uh, an incredible level of dedication to, to keeping the show on the road. I think the teams have uh, tried their best to maybe rotate a few people, and Tickford flew up. Um, Family to to Brisbane after um, after Townsville, I think it was to just try to keep keep everyone's spirits up. Um, but there's no doubt that um, it's been an unusual and difficult year for people involved in supercars, as it has for for many sports and many industries. Um, in terms of, um, we've had a lot of racing in a short period of time since uh, since it's come back in late June and. And Scotty McLaughlin was pretty open when he wrapped up the title at the bend with saying that it's his greatest title ever. Um, I think it was good that he was on the front foot with that because I guess a few, few months ago or, or through the year, it's been a bit of a narrative in, in a lot of sports of like how genuine are our champions, our premiers, uh, our winners going to be this year. But um, I think they've certainly done enough racing to uh, declare it a well, well and truly worthy championship and worthy champion and I think for Scotty it was particularly sweet because he'd sort of he'd come back from last year when there was a lot said about him and, and the team and, and the way they went about some things in the back half of the year and, and the whole Mustang parity debate that he was kind of uh uh a bit of sticks for all of that so I think to to come out this year and win in these circumstances with a car that's uh Uh, Certainly, a lot different than it rolled out technically from the start of 2019. I think that was part of the reason why it was so satisfying for him.
1: Heath, have you noticed any common theme amongst uh, all the many thousands of words, tens of thousands of words written about the championship? (laughs) Have you seen any anything that's recurring
2: about uh, this year's uh, series? I think I think you know, Stefan touched on it. It's you know, it's been a tough tough title like to be honest it's it's been a it's been on the move all the time you don't know what's going to happen next like we were going to be a qr but then that changed to being at the bend for two weekends in a row like um they've had to really the teams have had to really think on the move and think really quick um you know uh it, it's just it's been really tough but the thing is that like scott's just been class all year um you know his stats Put, you know he hasn't put really that many you know a, a foot wrong at uh, um, you know the three races i think that he's put a foot wrong in um he's come back and won straight afterwards and i think that's the most consistent thing about it that's been reported is that you know um you know last year might have been i think folks may have classed it in auto action last year that it was a tainted title but i think basically this you know, this year's put that uh, you know put that to rest and showed how much class he's had. You know, over the rest of the field, um, Triple Eight, on the other hand, have you know had opportunities to sort of grab it by the scruff of the neck and take advantage of those times that Scott sort of uh, made, made a mistake or something like that. But you know, they've made a mistake themselves. Um, I think you know the first weekend of the bends, they really you know, didn't really take advantage and, you know, Jamie, you know, sort of they lost pace and all that sort of thing. So it's, um, you know, I think the the two, yeah, the two most consistent things are you know, uh, Scotty's probably class above and, you know, uh, and we, um, and Triple Eight weren't able to take their chances.
0: Have you been surprised, Heath? the different way that uh, some of the Melbourne-based teams have had their performance go. We've seen Tickford fairly strong and consistent. We've seen Charlie's team, Team 18, Team 20, both having fairly strong performances, but it does seem that Erebus has become very inconsistent again.
2: Yeah, you're right. Um I've been, I've been a bit surprised by Erebus. Um, Erebus have uh, yeah I don't, I don't think they've really dealt with you know mainly that's due to the loss of Alistair McVean. Uh you know I think he leads a lot, well um, we know that he leads a lot of engineering you know direction for that team um, and for for Dave as well. Um, you know it's it, it's been excellent to see you know um, on the other hand, Wilkinshaw and um, you know on the back of getting Chaz and Adam De Bore, um, that working relationship, which is not only work benefits for uh, Chaz, but uh, for Bryce as well as a, as a rookie, um, he's come in and even though you know you'd expect you know uh, he's been a bit inconsistent as you'd expect, but you know to get on the podium at the bend, and he's he's had some really strong performances outside of that as well. Um, which has been good to see. And also Kelly's probably shouldn't be forgotten either for rushing their car in Adelaide. And, you know, they've probably been the hardest hit with those teams uh, compared to them, you know, within the Melbourne teams because they've been learning on the run consistently and they've probably been chasing their tail a little bit, um, but they've done a pretty good job of, you know, making their car pretty, Pretty competitive as well. And heading to Bathurst, there's, you know, they'll probably be a little bit, you know, a little bit confident heading there that
0: they can potentially, you know, snag a really good result there too. Stefan, do you think the fallout of everything these Melbourne teams have done might not really be evident until next year?
3: Yeah, well, everyone gets to take a big, uh, deep breath once we get through Bathurst and, uh... Those guys get to, guys and girls get to go home, but um, yeah, it, then we have got to think about how, how next year rolls out, and there's so much unknown as to what uh, what the world at large is going to look like, and, and our world here in Australia with borders and crowds and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think we've got to uh, got to play through the last the last innings here and worry about next year a bit later. One of
1: the interesting developments, of course, is the number of times that uh, we've seen changes made this year that have worked well. I mean, the back-to-back has obviously enabled the series to happen um, and get the 10 race meetings out of the way, um, but also um, things like the, the shorter, no refueling, um, two-day meetings. Are these all things, uh, Stefan, you think will carry through for next year?
3: Yeah, supercars. Uh, Sean Seaman's been out there in the last uh, Few days, sort of talking publicly about the fact that they will try to roll uh, a few of these things over. He didn't go into, I don't think, any specifics, but um, I think it probably makes sense when when you look at where everything's at. Um, to th- there was things with personnel restrictions and sort of restricting a little bit of the data they can get out of the cars during the race weekend. That uh, it certainly doesn't um, doesn't uh, hurt the show at all having those things in. So when they Implemented things in this time to save a bit of money. Um, I think it would be uh, it'd be a misstep to open that back up just for the sake of it. Next year is um, perhaps going to be a little bit of a sort of gap year anyway, with um, one more season before Gen Three, the new technical rules come in in 2022, where we might see some some fresh hardware and things like that. So I think on the on the sporting rules side, with things like the race formats having the three sprint races with no refueling. You would hope that refueling would come back for, for a couple of events. Um, we're obviously going to see it at Bathurst, but um, the, the mix they ended up with, with the tyres and, um, and the three races, I think it was pretty out of control whether they were mixing the, the hards and softs. We saw a lot of debate about that and some questions on the legitimacy of race wins and things when. When a couple of cars were running uh, two sets of soft tyres in a race and other people were running two sets of hards and things like that, but um, where they ended up with five sets of just the softs and you had to sort of manage those through three races, I think has produced produced some really good motor racing. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you'd want to uh, take as many of those things across in the next year as
1: you can. Heath, your feelings about the uh, format from the uh, this year? I've
2: uh, loved it. I reckon it's been good. The, the short sharp you know uh three race weekends you know over the two days i've loved it it's been uh you know very much uh you know as soon as practice is done there's a qualifying session pretty much straight away There's then a race following that and then you've got you know it's so quick uh you know i i, I agree with Stefan that you need to you know mix it up a little bit like I, I, you You couldn't run it at, say, Adelaide, I don't think, or, you know, um, if Bathurst is going to be opening around like it's proposed it could be um, like that. But, you know, something like a Winton or, you know, those sort of circuits in between, like Hidden Valley as well, like I think it works beautifully. Um, But, yeah, I've I've loved it. The racing has been really good, Um, you know, consistently. uh, There's been some different winners. There's been a bit of variety. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been really good. Um,
0: it's been excellent. Heath, one thing that really affects racing is the application of the rules on the racetrack. And that's been something I think Craig Baird has been able to bring consistency. And I always work on the feeling. If everyone's complaining or no one's saying anything, you're probably doing your uh, job properly because, it seems then like you're getting it right across the board. And I think that has been important too, that the the application of the rules has been adjudicated in a way that has then promoted good racing.
2: Yeah, I think so. I totally agree. And, you know, even though there's been short, sharp races, there's not been, you know, desperation. There's not been some, you know, there's probably, there hasn't been as many mega shunts that have, you know i i you know you usually see in sh- short you know uh short races it's it's been you know it's, the racing's been fantastic and yeah berdos to be honest i mean it's it, there hasn't been that many incidents really um to be honest uh, it you know Berto, but every time there has been an incident Beardo's had to adjudicate it i think he's done a really great job in uh handling it. Um, as you say, Craig, they've, they've been, uh, he's been pretty consistent um, across the board. Oh, you'd have to think that uh, maybe a reflection by
1: some drivers on the uh, lack of parts maybe in the truck and the, the closeness of the season, meaning that no time to go and repair, it's got to play some part there. Don't you agree, Stephen? I don't
3: know. I think um, I think these drivers, once they get the helmet on and they're, uh, they're going door-to-door, there's not uh, not too much go through the head other than uh, I've got to beat this uh, beat this bloke to the apex of the next corner. So um, yeah, I think uh, like Heath was sort of saying, we've seen a good good mix of uh, hard racing and and not too many not too many penalties. Um, we've had the occasional time where the aero wash still seems to be a bit of a problem, um, not being able to quite get close enough. And if, if you do get there, you can sort of follow for one or two laps and then. In front tires start to overheat so hopefully in the coming years when they roll a bit of downforce off the cars again um that'll improve but um all in all i think we've seen more good hard close door racing with this format this year than we've had especially on the sundays with that the old 200 kilometer fuel drop race where there was so much strategy in where you put the car on the track and how much fuel you took at each stop which was strategically quite interesting but didn't quite have that uh, yeah, that wheel-to-wheel battling that um, really the category is known for. So I think it's been a good year for that. And like Heath was saying, I think Beto's done a pretty good job. There's probably the one thing that stood out as controversial. The biggest one was that um, the uh, contact with Jamie Winkup in the, and Baton Coulthard in Pit Lane in, in Darwin. And that was one of those ones where I think they adjudicated Berto made the call based on what the rules were they did a good job of that but in the end of the day it didn't really pass the pub test in terms of it didn't look right the optics weren't weren't great and they went away which is sort of a, a o supercars Motorsport Australia sort of collaborative work with the commission there as well to just uh, tweak that rule and and learn something and make it better going forward so I think they' uh, they've done a pretty good job of all that side of it this year
0: now Stefan I thought you were going to say the biggest controversy was the return to rounds and all the uh, statistics having to be reformatted.
3: Yes, that's an interesting ongoing conversation, isn't it? Certainly when we had the, um, the mixed tyre format we mentioned, mentioned before with a mix of hards and softs where the individual race results were very much dependent on what, what cards you played, what tyres you used in any given race, that um, the actual how you did over the weekend um, had a lot more meaning to it. But under the system we've sort of worked on since 2009, there hasn't been an official round winner. So it was sort of important for those ones to actually have, have recognition of that. But um, once we've gotten back to having uh, just the soft tyre with even though it five sets, you've still got to do a little bit of juggling. I think the, the need for that and the conversation around it went away again because there was more sense in each individual race result. So, yeah, that was uh, kept us all entertained for a couple of weeks, but then sort of went back into the background again.
1: Now, one thing that we would like to get from you, Heath and uh, Stefan, before we finish this show, is um, your, not necessarily predictions, but your thoughts on who a podium would be uh, in the uh, eyes of uh, com and Auto Action. So, Heath, your feeling on uh, who are the likely
2: ones to be stepping up on those three uh, – Magic steps of back Podium. Um, podium. I've been saying it for a while since he was announced. But you know, Davison partnering Waters um, look—they look really, really, really strong. Um, uh, I, ca- I can't—you know—even with triple eights, um, you know, experienced co-drivers, they haven't had that much seat time. Whereas, well, I suppose Davo hasn't either. But he's been—you know—he competed in Adelaide and. He's been probably he's probably the most race fit out of the co-drivers, um, so that's probably the number one pick. And then you, you could probably uh, win Cup and Lowndes, um, number two, and McLaughlin and Slade in number three. Um, and if I throw out a, rough, a roughy, I'd probably say um, Golding and uh, and Winterbottom uh, just to go for someone different as a roughie as well. Um, Golding nearly. Was nearly, pretty much in contention at the last in in last year's race until the tyre popped. But um, and and Frosty and Team Eighteen, as uh, Craig mentioned earlier, have shown pretty good pace. So hopefully they can continue it at Bathurst.
1: Well, that's certainly a, an interesting pick. Um, um Stephen, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think um, the good thing is that. When you're sort of thinking about who's going to win the race, it's sort of natural for any of these races to um, be talking about the 17 car, which is obviously McLaughlin uh, and Timmy Slade, and the two Red Bull cars. But um, the great thing is going in this year, especially with um, what happened at the band. You've really got to put uh, Cam Waters and Will Davison right in there in not just podium contention, but uh, genuine can win the race on absolute merit. Um, the Tickford cars were really good there last year unfortunately they took each other out but hopefully uh, Cam doesn't have to worry about uh, that at least from with his own garage this year um, it'll be interesting Davo is like absolutely the number one draft pick of the co-driver seeing that he was a main driver as recently as March but it is obviously a little bit of a different role how he transitions into that he's, um, you know, he's a driver that's very particular about how he likes things um, with the car and, and everything else like that. Um, and he's sort of got to play that co-driver, understanding that it's really about cam. So that, that's going to be a new challenge for him, but you'd still expect he'd be very, very good. And uh, yeah, the most interesting thing about going up there is last year all the talk was that being the first enduro, there was there was no warm-up, no form guide from, from Sandown. But this year we don't even have pre-race testing and things like that for all these co-drivers and they haven't been able to do much racing through the year. So it's, um, it's really going to be hard on those guys. And um, more than ever, like we say it every year, but more than ever, it's about who makes the least mistakes in these races, whether it's um, particularly co-drivers and teams as well that haven't had the usual prep that they have. Um, we've got all those elements in there again with fueling like we're talking about, double stacking so much bigger with fueling back in it. The rotor change, Got sort to of change front discs on the cars during the race. Um, yeah, there's just so many things that can go wrong in in that car race. That um, it certainly makes it uh, entertaining for us and, and hard to pick the result.
0: And Stefan, and also Heath, what is going to make it even harder is the fact that the new safety car procedure is going to mean that anyone that might have had a bit of trouble, uh, particularly in that late part of the race. Can potentially still be you know on the back of the field on the leader's lap, and that's something that yeah, you can catch your lap up sometimes in the in the first if you go down in the first fifty laps, but in the last fifty laps it's very hard to get a lap back, and this new safety car procedure could really um, keep more uh winners up in the frame
2: uh, yeah, absolutely um it it definitely opens up so. Guys that may have had some bad luck earlier in the race and haven't been able to get their lap back. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's a pretty good move to be honest. Um, it's much like um, international um, sports car racing; they do it all the time, pretty consistently in that. So, yeah, it could you know um, give you know someone maybe potentially like a Todd Hazelwood or something if he's had trouble earlier in the year, earlier in the um, race to get his lap back and you know. Um, it could give him a really good opportunity at a fast run late in the race.
0: I'm sure he'll be thrilled that you've put him a lap down here yeah. two weeks before the event. <laughs> Stefan?
3: <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to say, see how it um, plays out. I guess um, kind of I like the traditional sort of narrative of you have to stay on the lead lap. Um, and obviously it's not like uh, you don't get a complete lap back because I think they released the cars. um yeah, a little bit before the, before the greens are waved, but you might not, shouldn't be able to catch the train, I don't think, from where they, where they resume from. But um, either way, yeah, it's sort of like safety cars is always such a big talking point. And, and last year we saw like the first, well, obviously there was one on the first lap when Tim Slade crashed, but um, then we went another 100 laps before we saw a second safety car. And there ended up being a whole bunch in a row that um, made it such a tricky fuel game and a controversial game to the to the end. Um, so whether we see a lot of safety car because of mistakes and potentially mechanical stuff going on with the cars, considering the build-up's been a bit different for everybody, or whether we see more of a 2018-style race where there was only three safety cars um, and it was quite an open, more old-school strategic game, um, is going to be fascinating to see. But one thing we certainly do know is track position it seems each year is, is more important because it is a little bit hard to pass in these cars these days at that place um for the reasons we sort of spoke about before so um it's certainly not a game where you can just get your lap back towards the end and then play through the field you would um you would need things to go right with other safety cars and a bit of fuel in hand leapfrogging up through the order to really do some damage um back through the field if you do go a lap down at some point. So, um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how all that plays out and, and particularly how the race flows with you. you always end up seeing primary drivers versus co-drivers, um, which is more fascinating than ever considering the quality of some of those co-drivers and the, the sort of uh, different, different build-up with people not doing a lot of miles this year. So the, the main drivers have sort of got more – Match fitness than ever because we've done so much racing in the last couple of months, but the co drivers have done less than ever, as you said, not even a test day. So, um, yeah, it's all a pretty tasty mix. Mm.
0: And of course, whilst the Drivers' Championship has pending a unbelievable penalty has been uh, decided, the Dunlop Teams' Championship is still up for grabs. And that's going to be fascinating to see how the teams might uh, work out a strategy for making sure they get number one pit bay as well. Um, before I hand, hand it back over to Tony, though, I should uh, ask Stefan, you've spent this shutdown uh, undertaking quite an interesting project, uh, speaking to a particularly loved member of the Ford family.
3: Yeah, it's been uh, been a different year, and um, it's been great to work with Glenn Seaton and uh, the guys at VH Sleuth on uh, producing a Glenn Seton book and autobiography. So I've been working closely with Glenn up here on that Um, and uh, you can pre-order it at the V8 Sleuth bookshop and it'll be out in the next couple of months. So um, yeah, even somebody like me who followed his career certainly in the V8 era quite closely, uh, it's sort of amazing how almost how little you know about these people until you really get to deep dive. and go through it with them. So there's a lot, uh, there's a lot in there. He's got a very interesting story, obviously from building his own team up and those early days, struggling with the Sierras to then uh, really hitting the ground running in the V8 era from 93. And then having to rebuild again after the, the cigarette money with Peter Jackson was, was outlawed and then ultimately selling the team on to, to pro drive after some years under the FTR banner and, uh, and so on from there. So, um, he's, as you guys know, anyone who's dealt with him, he's is, is quite an insightful, deep-thinking kind of, kind of bloke. He's a little bit different from uh, your sort of typical race car driver and that experience that he's had running his own team, engineering his own cars, as well as driving them bloody well, um, I think makes for quite
0: an interesting story. So it's been really great to, to work on that and hopefully people enjoy reading. It. And whilst we're getting free plugs out the way... The Bathurst edition of Auto Action is on sale on Thursday.
2: Yeah, we've just finished the 72 pages of um, Bathurst goodness, if I can call it that. Um, We've got the Larkometer back with um, Mark Larkin picking his um, entries that are going to do well in the – well, he thinks are going to do well in the Bathurst 1000. Uh, We've got a – the second part of the Alan Grice Living Legends that's Fogues has completed, uh, which focus has a focus on the uh, breakthrough 1990 uh, HRT win at Bathurst with Win Percy. Uh, there's a, seeing it's the last uh, Bathurst for Holden as a manufacturer, there, we've spoken to some luminaries of Holden from the past that um, have, some suppliers have uh, spoken about um, anecdotes they've had. Um, some of these people include John Crennan and um, Roland Dane, Garth Tander, um, you know, Ray Borrett, some of those guys, um, which is good, um, quite interesting. And um, we also have a little feature on uh, 40 Years of the Rock as well, So um, plus all the news and all, all the regular stuff that's in there as well. So it's pretty jam-packed. Well, we'll certainly be looking for that on the uh, newsstands this Thursday, is that correct, uh, Heath? Yes, yes, this Thursday and an online Wednesday night. Wonderful. We'll certainly go and grab that uh, as soon as it arrives. And uh, you, unfortunately,
1: like myself, will have to be making do with the television set and and timing and all those things that we can look online at and not, uh, as both Craig and Stefan will be doing, uh, standing on the side of the mountain. So... Thank you for joining us anyway, Heath and Stefan, on uh, Inside Supercars. It's been terrific, and we hope you enjoy the show up there, uh, uh, Craig and Stefan. hope you enjoy uh, seeing a great race that uh, we'll just uh, look at from a distance. So that's it from Inside Supercars. Stefan Bartholmast and Heath McAlpine, thank you again. Thank that's you. Tough. That's all for Inside Supercars today. Join us tomorrow with David Couchy as he recounts how this year has been and how us looks like the new week. That's it from me. I'm... And good night from him. Inside
2: Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.